Welcome back to Keep Off the Fence podcast. My name is James Griffiths, and joining me today, first of all, is the man who has more job roles than Mr. Ben himself. As if by magic, Matthew Rhodes has appeared. Matt, how are you, mate? Yes, I'm good. Getting fidgety, because I just want to do more stuff outside. I like to do more social stuff. We're getting there, though, day by day. We're almost there. And our special guest today, he is the head of the table, the Gladiator's Chief. It is manager Paul Phillips. Hello, how are you, mate? Good, thank you. Nice to speak to you. Like I say, I've not spoken to you in a while. James is getting very worried. Well, you know, you just... I'm amazed at this point I've not just stood outside ground sobbing for a bit of news or something to talk about. Something that's, tangible. That's, I, can ima- I can imagine you doing that, to be honest. Well, you know, I'm just... Chairman's got to keep up with what I'm doing, you see. He's got, he's got to try and keep it on a leash, you mean, not keep up what you do. You just do oh, it anyway, definitely. don't you? Well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I can't disagree with that. But to move on into the news, because we actually have some, which is, is great, the league has now been curtailed, meaning the 2021 season is over. First of all, Matt, do you want to describe the difference between curtailed and null and void for those listeners who aren't aware of what the difference is? Uh, well, as far as I understand it, um, uh, in terms of proper organisations, they're sort of saying they're using the word curtailed rather than null and void just because of things like with the recent developments with National League North and National League South, which was null and voided, but now they're sort of trying to do something whereas they're sort of trying to unite to have sort of like a temporary league to try and get a team promoted and sort out some relegations so that's why null and void is tending not to be used at the moment because that would mean everything is definitely stopped whereas curtailed sort of means things have stopped but there's a possibility that something could change so I really still doubt that anything would change in terms of games being played at Matlock's level. I think it's just rather a technical point, but it's kind of, I think, to do with step two of non-league who are hell-bent on trying to get some sort of resolution by uh, having some actual games played. But obviously it could have an effect because if they do, then it means a team could be relegated into Matlock's level. So I think that's why you're seeing the words curtailed rather than null and void at the moment. Paul, how do you feel about the situation with the league? I think it was the only way they could do it. I think Matt's gone, obviously, what he's just said there is they've not sort of said it's null and voided because one, they're probably open to uh, people trying to sue them to say that they've lost money. And secondly, it gives them a way out of numerous arguments. I think there was no other way that they could have done it for me. Uh, It could have been done sooner. Um, But I think think the problem you've got is that people start going about, they want to make small leagues, they want to start bringing teams in, we can do friendly matches. You can't because lads are on furlough. You, you, You can't get spectators through the door. We'd love nothing more now to be planning to off the 30th of March, have a couple of weeks training sessions and then be able to go and play a couple of matches around Robin competition. I put that forward to, to the chairman. We we was quite happy to do that, but they just can't get fans in. So we're not going to jeopardise the club. We're not going to jeopardise its future. We're not going to jeopardise its financial side after working damn hard to, to get it on the, the, the keel that we are at the moment. And I think we've just got to put it to bed, say that we've just come out of pandemic and say that we realistically we've got to work towards starting July. We'll have a few sessions this season just to keep lads together and keep ticking over. But for me, it's the only real outcome that we could see happening. I think if we're if we're all realistic and people can whinge and people can cry, which they will do, this league, the league above them, at the end of the day, the league above at least they've had 15, 20 more games than, than we had. They've had grants, they've had all sorts put their way. So how they can how they can cry about things I'll never know. Um, but for like I say, for me, I think we were sixth when we finished. 
I think we could have gone on and had a real good go in, in the league. I think we, we we had a good group of lads. I think I think we've got a good a good camaraderie and, and I think the best thing that can come out of this season is that we look at it and for a lot of mercenaries that we had previous seasons without without pinpointing certain individuals, I think we had a, a team full of players that wanted to play for each other and most importantly wanted to play for Matlock. I know we've seen a lot of the lads on Twitter echo those comments as well. A lot want to get back playing, but as you say, with the current situation with the furlough, if the lads are brought off of furlough, that will be the club will be responsible for paying their whole wage packet, uh, wage packet, which of course the club currently has no income other than the online club shop. Which cheeky plug! If you've not checked out, we're on the website. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, Graham it's, will it's... love you for that. Graham will love you for that. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get a message later on. Um, <laughs> but look, looking ahead now, as we've discussed, it's, it's only been curtailed at the minute. So do you think, Paul, that it should just be much like the 1920 season, wiped completely and not acknowledged? Or do you think it gets to this thought pattern of maybe trying to work out some way to promote and relegate teams, or do you feel that would be unfair? Well, listen, I'll put this question to you because I've been asked it numerous times. Due to I've been around non-league football, you know your stuff, you're clever people. Which way could you see in a fair scenario? We played six games, other teams have played 12, 13 games. I think if we did paper, obviously points per game, I think we'd finish second after playing six games. I don't know where all the teams have finished. I think I've looked at different scenarios. I think Ashton, Stafford and another team were in the bottom three. I think that would be harsh on, on everyone. But I think we got we got absolutely ridiculed last year because we were the ones that said, oh, we can't play. We've got, got these COVID issues in the club. This year, we're in a different, different climate and we're in a different place in the league. And we're still saying the same thing. There's just no way that I'm putting my lads, players the families and people behind the scenes in, in, in jeopardy to make sure that we can play a game of football. So I just I, I just can't see any other way than null and void it and get on with the season next year. And again, people won't like it. Other, team, other teams will love it because obviously it was in the relegation fight. But I, can you two see anything? Listen, I, I'm just a manager. I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers to the questions, but can you two see anything different, any other way that you could do it, where it's going to be a fair resolution, where it's going to suit all parties? No. I mean, I, that, I, I can't see... That, well, there is no, no way you can do it where every team's going to be satisfied. There's going to... For any situation, if you were to choose, there'd be winners and losers and heroes and villains. So... There is no other way you can do it. So, I mean, I, I'm in agreement that, like you said, Philo, like a week ago, like, um, I really want football to come back. I just want to be back reporting on games. That's what I enjoy doing. That's what I want to do as a career. But um, you just may as well just say, look, we tried with this season. It didn't work, you know, for a lot of reasons and a lot out of people's hands. Um, let's just make sure next season is back to normal and concentrate on that and make sure no clubs are lost, everyone can compete fairly and that everything's okay for next season and make sure you know things are okay for a pre-season to begin in July like it normally would be. Um, and like you said before, like I get I get why teams some teams want to come back and do something like in step two, like have some sort of countrywide sort of mini league to try and sort out promotion and relegation because no one wants a couple of seasons where there's been no promotions and no relegations but you're kind of just going to have to accept that that's how it's going to be in my opinion anyway. I agree with that Matt but how then do you go to your, to your teams in the Conference North who are going to get relegated and the teams in Conference South who are going to get relegated and say well, where are they going to go to? Because you've still got well, the same, you've still got the same number of teams in our league and the southern leagues. So, what are you going to do? Put extra matches in? We couldn't fit the matches in now that we've, we've obviously we had on the schedule last year. Are we going to start early in August and add extra two teams? Which way are they going to do it? Because we need to yeah. know that. that. That's the bigger question here, isn't it? If they're going to relegate teams from the Conference North, 
one, are they going to add two teams to our league? Two teams to the league? Are they going to are they going to promote from our league on? I don't know. This is this is my point. But the longer it's up in the air, and the longer it it goes on, and and the messing about, and we don't know the outcome. We can't plan for next year. We don't know where we're going to be. We're, I've seen different sort of leagues come into. I've seen a league with uh, Blythin, seen with Bleep, a, a league with uh, Bradford Park Avenue, as well as us. I've seen Mickle over in another league in the South League, and I've seen. But we, we, we need to know these answers and other clubs need to know these answers. And especially in a time like this when there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. I personally feel Matlock should be promoted, but that may just be my bias. So. I'm definitely with you. I'd take second place just for now. Uh, promoted second place because they can't have playoffs. So I don't know. I think it was Mikkel over because they played that many games. They've nearly finished the season and... Um, and I was on points per game. So I'd, I'd, I'd be quite happy to get, after six games, getting promoted and I'd have a right party when we could. So if, if you listed, head of the FA, um, I don't know who it is now. It changes more the days of the week. But if you're listening, promote Matlock. You know, we'll be happy, even if no one else will. If, if, if he does do that, invite him to the party and we'll put a free bar on for him and we'll have a right <laughs> Well, there, there we go then. To move on to our second bit of news, and I'm going to go straight to Paul with this one. Paul, you've hired a head of recruitment. Do you want to talk about the new man at the helm of that post? Yeah, Ryan. Listen, we, we, Ryan's really, really good lad. I speak to him anyway, so it, it was a no-brainer. Um, it nearly happened in the summer, but I just didn't think it was in the right place at that time for me to take my eye off the ball and, and wild it. Uh, to take the after ball for what what we needed to do and and the volume of players that we had to bring in in the summer, I think it had to be sort of done by ourselves to make sure that it was done in the appropriate manner. Um, but obviously now it's settled down. We've got the nucleus of a team that we that we want. I think it's it's massively important. Listen, recruitment in 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 the Premier League, in conference, in the Conference North, in in any leagues is it makes or breaks you. Um, and like I've said before. I can't go and watch a player on a Saturday. You can't watch a player on a Tuesday. And for me, I've seen a bit of a bit of the model was Matt Janssen and Smudge did it from Charlie. Charlie sort of made Smudge went round games and made sure that they got the best players that they could do to suit their style of play and to suit what they wanted to where they wanted to go. Um, and I just think it's, if I, listen, I'm, I've said this before and when I spoke to Ryan, obviously the last year, obviously the last year at Buxton, I know we don't like speaking about Buxton because obviously the rivals, but just to put it into perspective, I, I, we got some fantastic footballers into the second season and there was great ability wise, but they didn't have any heart. We didn't have any heart. We didn't have any spirit. And, I, and I, I recruited wrong. It was a massive mistake that I've learned from. And it's a mistake that will live me forever because it, it hurt me when, when I got it wrong. So for me, the recruitment side is imperative that we get it right. If, if we can get 90%, you're never going to get everything right. Don't get me wrong. We brought lads in this year, even though I looked at it. And I said, we brought 10% of lads in this year. That It's not worked out. But 90% for me this year, we got it right. So for me, it's, it's a part of the back to myself. Well, the other lads that went and looked at these players. But we've got to make sure now that we're bringing it in a smaller volume where there's only going to be three or four players coming in. That one, we get them right. And the other that, when we do need to recruit, we, when other scenarios come in, whether players aren't playing well, whether players go to pastures new or whether we need players because they get injured, we've got that sort of person in place to know where to go to get that player and know where it's not going to sort of hamper us going forward and Ryan's the perfect foil for that he knows exactly how I want to play he knows that obviously the players that he likes and I like are very very similar so I think it's a perfect partnership the way he'll run it Now me and Matt wouldn't be journalists if we didn't ask this question in an article that Matt has done that you can find on his Twitter, his season review, it is very good. And I'm not just saying that because he's here and he's controlling the yeah, Zoom meeting. And I don't, yeah. to, I don't want no, to close it. In that article, you mentioned one player who would be considered a bit of a coup 
if you got events from Matlock. Now, we're, lo- we're looking for a bit of a scoop here. I'm aware you probably don't want to put a name out there. But could, could we have a position or is it all under wraps? Well, it's two, to be honest. So that's even better, isn't it, for you? Um, oh, here we go. Um, one's a forward. I feel that we've, we've obviously, if you look at our forward line, we relied a lot on Ross, who did ever so well. What a fantastic player and a great lad. And we relied on the skipper a hell of a lot last year, uh, Big Liam, to to sort of create things as a as a number nine. Um, I think Ross is a probably different kind of number nine to Liam. I think Ross probably sort of wants to run beyond. Liam will, will take the bullets and hold the ball up. And I felt that we needed another player in case Uzi, one was injured or two needed a little bit of a rest, which he'll never want to hear that. But sometimes you do with the volume of games we have. So one of them is, he's gone for quite a bit of money throughout his career. Um, I think he's 28 now, so he's coming into his prime. Scored a lot of goals for at this level and the level above. Um, and if we can get that one over the line, it'd be a, it'd be a, it'd be a great front three or great three that we can we can rely on to score. I think they could score hopefully 30, 40 goals between them in a season, which takes a lot of burden off other lads. Uh, the other lads are uh, a midfielder. Um, we've been speaking to him throughout. Um, great lad. Um, captain of a, a Conference North team. Um, again, played at the Conference North level, played at Conference National level. Um, and Again, he's, he's a player that we greatly admire. It's not done and dusted. We're trying our hardest because, obviously, when you come up to try and get these players, you're not just the only team in the market. There's other people throwing the hats in the ring. So, obviously, I'm not going to start mentioning names. As you know, James, it's just it's not relevant to say that this, at this point with, with everything going on. But if we do get them to, it'd be, it'd be a massive statement of intent going forward into uh, the next campaign. I'm sure we'll have all the internet sleuths on it now, looking things through. I'll be giving you a nudge after this, looking for names, of course, as always. Like so this, it'll send some notification alerts to like Twitter accounts, like the non-league in yeah. the no accounts. I'm sure there's yeah. always about five accounts hey, like that. To be fair, he got the majority wrong last year, but they still got one and two right. So fair play to him, but... I had one last year telling us I can't think who was actually going to sign, but even 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 put me in the tweet and said we're going to sign such as a person. I said, well, I don't even know who he is. Never mind signing. <laughs> I, I think uh, yeah, I think at one point one of those accounts linked to, to I think it was Ashley Chambers. It linked yes, to us and books. Yeah, and I didn't even I know who it was. I think I had to text you, James, to say yeah, Can you please put me in the picture who it is because I've never no disrespect to the lad. I've never heard of him. Uh, occasionally, me and Phil will message each other. We'll go, just wind, um, wind someone up, you know, wind these accounts up, put, put some fake rumors out there because we, we want to know, you know, we want to make sure there's no leaks in the camp. And of course, there isn't, but you, you know, it's just we, we like to get people talking, so it's, and, to uh, it's off, and to put them off the scent, James, and to put them off the scent. You know, um, you know this forward that you mentioned is—is is it? I know you shouldn't be mentioning names, but genuinely, is it Anthony Marshall? Uh, I can categorise it. He wouldn't—he wouldn't be able to sweep the changing rooms after the game. Never mind. <laughs> I do not, and you can—you can say this for all his ability in the world. I don't have lazy players on my team. I just wouldn't. It wouldn't sit well. And whenever you go on the pitch. You like to when you're winning, especially you like to do it with a smile on your face, and that's one thing that's missing with him, isn't it? And again, you know, you know how much I admire United, and just look at their team and think there's so much, that many things wrong with it. Players playing it at this time, at least they can play without without a smile on the face, playing for hundreds of thousands of pounds, a game they love, moaning that they've got to. This is the other one, James. Matt, these, they're saying how the volume of games now is catching up with The volume of games. We play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Get up then the following day for work. It's Monday you get up for work. Maybe play Saturday, Monday. Travel to Colville or travel wherever you're going to do or travel to Blythe or South Shields on a Tuesday and get back home. For, uh, 
they're getting on a, either a, a chartered plane or first class rail to get back home to get picked up to, to have the day off after it and they play too many games come on hey seriously how, how bad is it coming they're so, they're so pampered it's untrue and I know listen I know they're, they're, they're treated like racehorses thoroughbred racehorses but they need a bit of reality don't they at least if you're playing have a smile on your face and, and look like you're enjoying playing football because 70-80% of the country at the moment in time can't play football like they can so do it with a smile on your face for God's sake you, to be fair on, on that subject of a smile on your face I did like it when Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer like a dad to his six year old <laughs> in a school game sort of smiled and gave um, Fred a big thumbs up after he managed a shot that did make me laugh quite a lot. <laughs> well, I tell you what, what made me laugh even more was he was playing against Newcastle and he actually passed it to Steve Bruce. Now, and that might have been all right 15, 16 years ago <laughs> playing at centre yeah. but he actually passed it to the Newcastle manager at the side. <laughs> Honestly, don't start me on him. He's even worse. Oh, honestly, <laughs> how some of these players cost the money and get the money they get, and it's untrue. Give me Mark Lees any day of the week. If if you ever want to learn a footballer's metal, if you ever want it tested, a cold Tuesday night in Grantham on a February, nothing will test you like the freezing cold that will run through your body on those sorts of nights. Those are the those games are the ones that players play in purely for the love of the game, nothing else. Joe, Joe, what? Oh, I said I think I said the same to Matt. Excuse me the other the other night when I spoke to him. Joe Cranston on a cold Tuesday night, bouncing down with rain and windy. It'd be paradise now. It's that long ago since we actually had the game competitive game of football. Oh mate, I I'm that ready for a game of football that I'd even be prepared to go across the A6. And put up with those um, fogs, for lack of a now, better word. Now, now, James, there, you was going to swear then, weren't you? Well, I, I try not to. <laughs> we could try to keep this PG thirteen, but you know, <laughs> um, me and Buxton have a love hate relationship, as in we love to hate each other. So. Yeah. But that that is one thing that has always interested me. Not many managers have. In the history, both clubs have been going for a while, Matt like Buxton, have bridged that gap over the A6. Now, I think when you took the Matlock job, there was an air of shock that you went from one rival to another. Now, when we were talking to Wildy about it, I can't remember the phrase he used exactly because I think we cut it out because it wasn't PG, but that's Wildy. <laughs> Was it ever, did, did you ever feel any doubt in yourself about taking the role or was it just, you felt, always felt like my association with Buxton has ended, I now want to make me Mark and Matlock? Yeah, to be fair, I never thought, obviously, you always, whenever you come out of a job and you think to yourself, I've had a few weeks off now, I've got my head together and I'll look at what I've done right, what I've done wrong and look where you can get back in and you sort of look at results and different things. And obviously at that time, uh, I think Steve Kittrick was a manager only when I came in and they were, they were struggling a little bit. Obviously, I think they were still competing in the FA Trophy and then obviously lost at Eastleigh uh, and then lost lost a couple of games after that. And it was that's one of them things you're thinking, he's trying to do a little bit of background on it because it, I've played at Matlock numerous times. I knew what the club was about. I knew it was a, it was a decent club. And I think it, obviously without obviously putting people down it underachieved for a few years um, but it's it, 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 as soon as I left Buxton it was a case of that's it I, I listen I made some great friends there get on well with the chairman people behind the scenes there was one or two how, how do you put it I think you get that in every club though I think there was one or two people that and I think I think this is this is a major issue in non-league that these people uh, in our club as well I think that uh, especially in books in the latter end when they, they like it more Staley Bridge was another another example when we went in there they like it more so they, to lose so you, they've got more to speak about and more to 
sort of mull over than to win and to give you the compliment. And I think that's a culture that you've got to change in, in any club when you walk into it. I think you've got to get the people on side and make sure that everyone's pulling the same direction because it, it can it can be awful when you obviously walk into the social club. Win, lose, or draw, you know we come in that social club as managers, as players. And I think we've got to, listen. We, we've we've lost, but we've had a right go. Yeah, but you could have done this. Yeah, yeah. You've got to take people's views because that's what they pay the money for. But when you have people there that are willing you to get beat and willing you to to lose games so they can have a go at you. I think that's that's a really, really poor environment to, to sort of manage in because we're all we're all aiming for the same thing to be successful, which with with every team you're at at the moment, obviously, Matlock exactly the same. I think when we come in, I think there was quite a lot of people undecided of how we was going to manage, how we was going to sort of get us on the right road. I remember the Hyde game last year when we when we played the Hyde game and. We was getting beat. I think it was three one. We was absolutely atrocious, atrocious, and one or two training sessions, and we'd had a few games, and we'd, we'd done okay. We'd done okay uh, in in the games. I think we'd won one, lost one, and drawn one. I can't remember. And we went to hide, and it was one of them days where it, it was atrocious. And I remember a spectator, a Matlock spectator, from behind me in 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 the hide end, and saying, "F this, f that, and take all your." All your all your players back to Buxton. They're just worse than the lads that we already had. They had blah blah blah. But you've got to take that, haven't you, James? You've got to take that. I understand that. That's part and parcel. But I just feel that at the moment in time, the vibe that you get out of coming chairman, the people on Tom, yourselves, when you walk into the club now is totally different than the vibe that we had when we first walked into the club, where it was a bit doom and gloom and we sort of. Do we want to progress? I think we do. I think we're set up to progress now, and I think we're all pulling in the same same way. I think we're all want Matlock to be successful, and I think we can be. But that comes down not just by us winning. I think it comes down as everything else: the club being successful off the pitch, making the right decisions off the pitch, and and, and I think we're doing that. I think everything's handy, going hand in hand now with how we want to do, how we want to run the club, how we want to see our team playing. So I think. Without waffling on, I think that as long as people behind the scenes want you to win each week, and it, sometimes if you don't win, they can see that endeavour and they can see the attitude and they can see that how much it hurts the players and you're not just turning up to pick the to the wages up. I think I think it makes a hell of a difference, and for me, that's been the biggest impacts I can see that we've made on the football club at the moment. I I remember it because it's it's very strange. I. I've been at Matlock now, I think this is my 11th season. When's um, your testimonial? Well, I've, I've been talking <laughs> to Chair. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see <laughs> Well, you know, I'll, I do travel with shots, so I'll get him to, to, you know, give me a run out in goals. I'll just lay down and hope for the best. But yeah. That's what I always did. That's what I did. Well, <laughs> if it works, mate, it works. It got, you know, 600 appearances. I'll take just getting one. I, I made it a crit. Lying down, if it hits you, it hits you. If it doesn't, you have to just wave at it. But that's the best way of thinking about it. But, but you don't want to hold you to that, don't you, now? That you're going to play in goals now pre-season. Mate, <laughs> I'll just... I'll take it. I'll take just seeing some football. But, <laughs> I mean, 11 years at Mount Lock, love the place to be. I've rejected taking jobs higher up at, you know, league level because this is where I want to be. And I'm... I've had the pleasure of working with a, a lot of really good managers, uh, made a lot of friends along the way, which is always good. If you told me after Buxton beat Matlock 6-0, and I remember an interview you did with Buxton after, you said, oh, Joe, by the way, you'll be working with Paul Phillips in like a year. I, I wouldn't have said that's going to happen. And I feel this with, with football, it's so changeable in what can happen and we, we've now come in you obviously when you took the job we had the tragic pass to Jordan Sinnott which at any time is hard for anybody to sort of take on board and deal with I know it hit a lot of the lads at the time hard so to come into that environment and you know from the start it's it's not something I think it's one of the few times when I found out that I've 
cried over something in football because it, it just hit us so hard. So how, as a manager, do you, you come in with something like that and reflect and think, right, this is how I'm going to deal with players? Because there's no manual for doing that. I, I think it was hard. I think that, and I don't want to sound harsh in saying this because obviously everyone was absolutely gutted for, for what happened and obviously on the way to Mickleover, there was no, I've never had to walk in the changing room and say something that, that felt so hard to say at Mickleover to, to tell the lads and to see the faces. But to be honest, it was so hard then to try and pick them up for the games after. Um, and you don't know the, the, the longer lasting effect, but then you, you look at it and you can't, it's an hard one to say, well, Joe, you know I'm going to get rid of him, I'm going to get rid of him. And we just, we just didn't sort of have that, we, we couldn't have that mentality. It was, it was sort of, he was standing on eggshells a little bit with, with certain individuals, because I think it really did sort of upset him, because obviously the, the, the lad had a, a great a friendship with a lot of the, the players from last year. Um, it was just hard like I say we had that and then we had the steward situation um, and it, it's just it's just not nice it's not a nice situation but I, I still feel and this this might sound obviously in hindsight I still feel we would have had enough in the tank to make sure that we would have finished comfortably last year if it had not been null and void I think we could have we'd have got out of the got out of the uh, the mire as, as we say and I think we'd have been okay but obviously Looking at the lads from last year and, and the lads this year, we, we had to have wholesale changes, and I, I just felt that we had to have the right characters, and hence why I give Liam used the, the armband, and obviously Yates he still stays as club captain, but uses obviously the on-field captain, and I felt that we had to have a bit of a change of leadership and a bit of a change of direction of how we how we sort of shown ourselves on the pitch and off our pitch. Mm. Now. I know Craig Cantrell is listening to this and he's saying to me, James, why have you not asked the gaffer who he has already retained? Who can we expect to see next season? So I'm, I'm going to have to ask you that. Is there anybody at the minute that you think will be guaranteed part of your squad for next season? Um, there's probably 80%, to be honest, James. Um, that we've... That we've agreed, obviously, there's a few that was on options anyway. So um, it was a case of I was never going to say to him what happened with the season that if you don't want to be at the football club, like I said to everyone else, then we're going to hold you to the option. Because, but to be perfectly honest, there's no one really apart from one who has not committed to, to say to us that they want to come back. So that's our testament to one to the club and two to, to the lads around him. So I think reading between the lines, if, if I'm honest, um, Callum Dolan probably won't be coming back. Um, that's realistically because, not because, listen, the lad's, the lad's got unbelievable talent. He's got unbelievable talent. But for me, he's not shown enough work ethic. He's not shown enough team spirit and he's not shown enough appreciation for what you've got to do off the ball if he gets that I think I think Callum's a pr pretty similar to, to, to what Dan Bramall was when I first come in I think Callum's very similar kind of player and I think obviously Dan looks like it and fair play to the lad he, he seems to have grasped it with his move to Barnsley that um, he's obviously grasped that what to do off the ball which he didn't really seem to have when he when he first burst on the scene at, at Matlock when, when I came in. Um, so Callum, Callum will probably be one of the players that goes to a different, different team and I wish him all the best. Um, apart from that, um, like I say, Uzi, 80%, percent of the other lads, there'd be, one, there'd be three or four as well that we've invited back to train. We're not offering him terms, but like I say, the... the the mainstays of the team, Qualls, Sam Edgerton, Yatesy, Deck, Leader, um, Alex Byrne, um, User, Ross Hanna, Kinga, Nathan Whitehead, um, da -da 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 -da, Kinga, Nathan Whitehead, Reese Kendall, Sean Rowley. Um, I was about to say, is, uh, is Sean Rowley <laughs> stayed on? Because I really yeah, rate yeah. him highly, yeah. 
the, to be honest, we we agreed a contract with Sean. Um, oh, great. At the sort of just before this kicked in, but obviously because certain circumstances, we've not got round to to getting everything pushed through. So, but I've, I've spoke to Sean. He's still still in the same place. He wants to commit to the club and the club want to commit to him. So, I'm we're hoping that obviously once this political sort of furlough is is over and we can sort things out, that that that'll be done. Um, so, yeah, like I say, without uh, giving too much away, because there's a long time um, between now and the start of the next season or the pre-season, um, like I say, 80% of the lads want to commit to the club and feel like they've got unfinished business that they, they want to sort out. I think, I know you mentioned Dan Bramble there, and I, I think it's it's very similar with Callum Dillon, and it's very similar to players Matlock have had in the past. I, I think some supporters don't realise, and it'd be interesting to hear if you agree with this from a coach's view, that I always think with young players, you, you either got it at Matlock's level or you haven't. Whereas as a young player, Matlock's main aim as a first team is about getting wins, about getting three points on the board. Whereas when you've got a player who's playing, say, with Dad, he's gone to Barnsley 20, under-23s and he's playing there and now he's getting time on loan out at Barrow. And I'm, anybody who knows that knows he's a completely fantastic bloke and I'm, I could not be more pleased with him. But those sides allow more chance to nurture. They allow... It's not always about, at that level, getting the three points. It allows them to have breathing space to work on the game, where at Matlock, suddenly it's very cutthroat. Yeah, I, I I agree in principle with that. I think I think the problem they've got is probably some of these lads, Callum Dolan, Dan Bramall, I think they're made to play at a higher level. But when they start, it doesn't happen for them at that level. It may take them then 12, 18 months to sort of understand what they need to do at our level and the level above. I think it's probably a bit of a reality check of, of, of you don't get the same time. You get a few kicks, you get a few elbows. Um, but I feel that maybe 50% of the people that drop down then go, I don't know if this is for me, or they'll get drops and because it, they're not playing well because they don't understand the culture and they'll, they'll drift away from football. But it's nice to see. I say, I don't want to feel people feel that. Dan Bramall went from the football club because he wanted to play football. Callum Dolan's exactly the same that. He'll go from the football club because of he wants to play football, and we can't guarantee that. And that's that's a trait that we don't want him to lose. But again, if Callum can grasp what he's got to do off the pitch and what he's got to do, as well as bringing his ability to the party on the pitch, then the world is nice. He can play as high as he wants. But if he doesn't grasp that, then again, it might be another that we all we all know of many that will lose the football life because of probably the easy things that come that should come to you the, the, the running about the defending the tracking back I just I just feel them kind of things you've got to have whether it be at our level the level above or in the Premier League I think you're seeing that now with unfortunately Manchester City's team you look at it and no, no matter what they say they play fantastic football but when they lose the ball Look at look at how they, how they chase back. Look how look how they tackle back, and look how back they get back in shape and force teams to make errors, so they then can go and win the game at the other end. Same with Leeds. Leeds is exactly the same. Not not you wouldn't say. Look at them, Stuart Dallas. You've got all the players there that not household names, but they're holding their own in the Premier League. We're not spending a hell of a lot of money because of work work ethic and because of the manager drilling them how to how to win football games. And I think that's why. For me, you've got to get right first. You've got to get a team around you and team that to put on the pitch that know how to win football games. Your ability and, and your flair that can then come into it when you get in the knack of winning football matches. It's it's great as well to see Dan uh, and Callum in particular. Callum's, of course, had his own trials and tribulations throughout the years, but I feel in the time he was at Matlock, getting to know him, he's, he's really come on as a person as well. So hopefully whatever he does go on to do will be a great success. And I know he'll always have friends here, much like Dan has, much like everybody who's left the club. It's a very family, community-based atmosphere. 
and we're all very supportive of each other. Sometimes when players do leave, it, it is just they want to play football and whatever happens, there will always be sport in that. Of course. And, and like I said to before, there's no animosity towards anyone that ever leaves. Even last year, we, we spoke to most of the lads and there's no animosity. For me, you never burn bridges in football. We wish Callum all the best. I think he was even going to We give him permission last week that he could go on trial at, at Stockport County. So it shows that all the teams are taking note of him, even though he couldn't really get in our team that much last year. Teams are, t- are taking note of him and hopefully he can, he can sort of pick himself up and get something at Stockport or at another club. Because I feel full-time football for these kind of lads is probably... It's better. We had a kid at... Again, I don't want to go back to Buxton. I had a kid that same thing happened to him at Buxton Diego came to us looked a million dollars in training had all the flair all the ability and it, it took him 12 months it took me to put him on a transfer list it took me to give him a, a kick up the backside four or five times and and, and look at him now he's got offers here there and everywhere and I feel that that's the difference people that drop down the levels who grasp what you've got to do quicker I've got more chance of bouncing back up into the professional game. Now, I'm going to go back to all the way back to episode one of the podcast. There was a comment left below on the YouTube. We heard to Phil Pauling, because I don't know if he listened. I wouldn't if I was him. I'd just yap on, we know what I'm like. But uh, we spoke about Zach Brunts and Ashton Hall previously at the club as part of the academy makeup, the reserve makeup. Um, the quote in question, I don't have it at hand, but the gentleman said that he thought that Matlock should invest more in the youth setup and the reserve setup and bring it back. Now, I know during your time at the club, it's not really been a case of, oh, we'll just nip down the road and set that up, given we're in the middle of a global pandemic. But is that something you would be keen to see return? Perhaps... I know the club stepped away from the MPL Academy setup because they felt it wasn't as competitive as perhaps was needed. Would you like to see maybe an under-19 side set up with a reserve side with the under-19s going into a similar league that the likes of Chesterfield, Ilkeston, Mansfield playing? And is that something on your agenda? Yeah, definitely glad to see it. I know, listen, I think it's probably at the time and Matt Lock had a, a fantastic... I remember watching, I remember watching him and... Um, I think it was Jamie Yates who, who managed him at the time. And um, I remember watching him and thinking, we've got hell some good, really good players. Surely they must be knocking on the first team door. And when I looked at them, there was one or two players I thought, you know what, we'll, we'll keep an eye on them because I feel like they could kick on in the game. Uh, and obviously they have now, the, the two names you just mentioned. But no, I feel I feel that you've got to get the club st- stabilised. You've got to get the team on the pitch your first team on the pitch, you've got to make sure that is in place and is thriving before you start thinking about other teams and and obviously because you've got enough on your plate to doing that. But for me, for the community, for for ourselves as well, I think the more teams that you can have associated with a club, uh, whether that be from under sevens or all the way up or a reserve team, I think the more team you can have associated with a club I think it's it's a massive, massive thing for the for the town, the community, and to make sure people are coming through the gate and making sure people are understanding what the football club's all about. And I think having a reserve team helps me out because then I'm not the recruitment side of it. You can also have a look at these lads and hoping that, that you're pushing three or four through that through that recruitment and getting them in, getting knock on the door in the first team, which realistically should have done in the past. But I'm hoping we can do that. We have had discussions. But I think this you've got to make sure you've got, one, you've got the right facilities to do that. And two, you've got the right people behind it to make sure that it's run in the right manner. And I think what a lot of people didn't seem to realise when we previously had the reserve of the academy teams as well, is we've got a beautiful ground. It's one of the best in the league and that's down to the ground stuff. However, when we had four teams playing on the ground, as often as they were, the ground was struggling to hold up. And that's, you know, you can have the great day top groundsman in the world managing a pitch. After a while, it's going to take some hammer. And that that was an issue. 
that we had. So it, it's I'm glad to hear, and I'm sure our listeners will be as well, that it's something that is going to be looked into long term. But I, w- I want to now move on, put the Matlock stuff to bed and finish talking about just some football in general. Uh, we've spoken uh, about VAR. James, I've just got... Um... There's some, you know, where uh, how Ollie Bayliss and Thomas Feeney just always seem to know more than even um, our own government you, at the best. Are you telling time. me we've got some breaking news, Matt? Uh, breaking ish, but it is related to Matlock's league. Uh, so well, you know, over the to you, my friend. Leagues. You are we're promoted, yes. Yeah, Mitlock, 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 Mitlock Town have been promoted. No, no. Um, it's just saying that, you know, the Trident Leagues, the new jazzy name for the Southern League, the Isthmian and the Northern League. Uh, it's just saying, cause there was some talk, weren't there, that, you know, how about in a month's time we have like a Derbyshire Senior Cup or something like that, you know, if fans can be back. Uh, that, won't be, that won't be happening. Uh, basically, none of the Trident Leagues will hold an official cup competition before the 2021-22 season starts. So any any ideas of like a, a local county cup happening within a month or something like that or in May, nah, that won't happen. Uh, it also says non-elite clubs can definitely train from March 29th and you can play some friendlies soon after. And the teams are still having to wait for FA and government guidance to see if fans would be permitted before the 17th of May. So there you go. Some breaking so, news. That, that's Matt there. Interrupted me to kick my hopes of football while they're down. Um, just, <laughs> at least I'm sure the gaffer and the lads will be pleased to know March 29th, you said, they'll be able to get back training. We, we've already booked a venue for March the 30th, I can assure you. The quicker oh. I can any pitch and the lads can, even though it's only training, the, the better it'll be. So we've got we've got training booked on March the 30th. So Is it no Old record. Trafford? What? Is it Old Trafford? Hey, what it's 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 the it's Lords. We're practicing for our local cricket game. We're not going not all right. All right. <laughs> so we're practicing they think they're gonna beat us next door, the cricket club, don't they? So we're, we're <laughs> Old Trafford in the Nets. We've got some right coming in as well. I didn't realise this used to be um, uh, a thing. Uh, that Well, obviously, I've only been involved with Matlock for not even... Still not even a full season yet. But um, uh, that it used to be a thing where Matlock's football team would play the Matlock cricket team uh, in a pre-season. James, has this been a, a thing that used to happen year after year? It's it's something we used to do, and then I think it was halted for for ten years for whatever reason. But it, it seems to come back now. We've got a great buddy relationship. I know uh, with the cricket club, they're finally making their first steps into the online world. You'll have seen them on social media. They've got a, a great chap whose name escapes me right now because I'm duller than dishwater, but I will remember it at some point. We've also got our secret weapon, of course, Schutz, who is, when he's not at the football nets, he's at the cricket nets. So we have a secret hey, weapon. We've got more than one secret weapon. We've got a lad that plays played cricket for Yorkshire. And we've got a, a couple of other lads. I hope these have got a decent team. Or it could be over before tea. Well, <laughs> there you I go. Team out these lads because I hope they don't think they turn up playing a load of pub footballers or... We have got some very, very good cricketers in our ranks. And, uh, I, isn't I think um, the goalkeeping coach, Schutz, isn't yeah, he a cricket player? Yeah. Very good cricketer. Yeah. Uh, Dave, believe it or not, Dave Noble, fantastic cricketer, wicketkeeper. Um, I've, I've played at an all-right level for cricket. Reese Kendall. What kind one. of cricketer are you, Philo? You strike me as a, a decent spin bowler. No, no, I'm... <laughs> I'm a better drinker after the after the cricket. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm number six batsman. Like I don't like to mess about. So I either go in, we stay for a bit, or without first ball. So no, listen, too much away because we want to win that. So whenever we play that cricket game, we'll be ready. I assure you. So I I will be in the clubhouse keeping an eye on the beer and sandwiches. So if you need me, you know where I am. 
Well, you better be keeping his in refreshments, never mind anything, keeping an eye on the bear. Mate, it'll be, Graham will be turning up with his ice bucket full of water. You watch. <laughs> Fantastic. So, we spoke about VAR last podcast with Aldi. I wanted to speak <laughs> about the top four race. We've got Manchester United versus Manchester City this weekend. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. I'm dreading it. I don't even have to watch it on under my bed or watch the room. Well, I I spoke to Wildy about this. Originally, I was going to get you both together not to watch idea. the game. That is not a good idea. But I didn't know if I had the the system had enough power in it to stop no. all the swear words. So, yeah. but looking at it now, we've got. I believe it's City atop, United a second. Is it Leicester a third, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, Leicester and third and uh, Chelsea fourth now. So, looking at it, I think we've got something like 12 Premier League games left. What do both of you think is going to be the final standings in that top four? Man City are definitely going to win the league. Sorry, Filler. That's uh... <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree. Unfortunately, I hate saying that, you know that, but totally agree with Matthew. Uh, I think Man U will finish seconds. Uh, I know, no. uh, speaking as obviously uh, you're a huge Man U fan, I know uh, that it shouldn't be the Man U way to say, yeah, we'll finish second, that's good. But uh, I think Man U will come second, yeah. I think <laughs> Chelsea will come third. I don't think they're going to lose that many games at all under Tuchel, so... I think I think I think I think Chelsea will come second. I think United will come fourth the way it's going at the moment. I think they'll struggle to I think they give too many chances for teams to catch them up. Um I think Leicester again, you've got to look at Leicester. Leicester, what a fantastic manager, what a fantastic team they've got there. But no disrespect to them, they're probably limited resources in some ways that they've got. Not got the same resources as um your Chelsea's, your United, your Cities, your Liverpool's, your Tottenham's. So, again, Brendan Rodgers, what a fantastic job. Listen, he got ridiculed at Liverpool and he's gone to Celtic, showing them how to win titles up there, which isn't easy, as you can see this year. Celtic have lost the league, more or less, to to Rangers. Um, And then, obviously, for me, City head and shoulders above everyone at the moment. Just, not just by, not just the football, but the, the, the gameplay and the work rate and and they just manage games so well. It, it just they manage games. They manage games like I used to watch United manage games under Fergie. They could play bad and still find a way to win. Um I think the biggest thing for Man City this year is that they want to win the European Cup. I hope they don't. But unfortunately I think they've got a massive chance. But the top four for me will be City, Chelsea, Leicester and I think United will just Sneak out of Everton to get into to get into fourth. And Liverpool, no. do you think uh, they'll avoid relegation? Oh, I'm happy. I'd, I'd be quite happy to see them playing on uh, on block stages on on a, a Sunday morning. To be honest, Liverpool after them out of got off them last year. But I'm hoping. I'm not listen. Another team that shows it. They were blaming injuries and they were blaming different other things. But if, if to lose five games on a on on a home like they have done. It rings massive alarm bells. Some, there must be something massively uh, massive issue at the club to, to lose that many games at home, especially with the talent that they've got players-wise. I know they've got Van Dijk out, but let's be honest, they've had two transfer windows now to get some replacements in. And I watched the two centre-halves the other night. They won't get in our team. I think they played £35 million for them both, aren't they, somewhere around there? Well, judging by that, Yates has got to be worth, you know, his right arm alone has got to be worth £30 million. Quotes, I, I try and discuss valuations with him, but he'd probably just head me like he adds everything else. So, it, the Liverpool one's an interesting one. They've got Salah, of course, who I believe is the top goal scorer of the whole league at the minute. Defensively, they're at fault. Do we feel as a group that we are seeing the end of Jurgen Klopp's reign? He had a very similar run when he was at Dortmund. If I know... Paul, of course, Man United fan, Matt's an Aston Villa fan when it comes to Premier League issues. Do you feel Liverpool would be wise to replace Klopp or do you think it would be a bad move? Um, for me, if they do, I'd take him at Old Trafford in, an eye, in, a, in a blink of an eye. Absolutely fantastic manager. 
Um, I think, again, I think the problem he's had this year is obviously he's lost his mainstay defender, which has been well documented. But I think probably some of the players have, have lost their hunger to go and win it. I don't think you can blame the manager. Uh, I think some of the players have probably got got their feet under the table and thought, you know what, we can just turn up here and we're going to win the league. I think, for me, Jürgen Klopp is in the top three managers in the world and kind of manager that any club, for me, in Europe had, had won at the Elm. You, you, should, you should never sack Klopp after, after what he did. I just don't think that... I think they got have just got... I don't think it really comes from Klopp. I just don't think he was backed enough. And I think when they got their injuries, I kind of feel like their sort of powers that be were a bit complacent. and just like, well, you know, we're still playing great stuff. We're winning the vast majority of games. We'll be fine. But obviously they're not. And there are a lot of good teams in the Premier League this season, like Everton are miles better than what they have been for a long time. Even Villa. Villa beat them. 7-2, <laughs> which is still incredible. Um, it kind of gets forgotten about a bit that Villa absolutely annihilated them earlier on this season. Um, but yeah, uh, teams have got better and they just, I think they've just got a bit complacent and they needed backing to get, uh, to address some issues that they had and it's just not happened and they're in trouble. They genuinely might not come top six. Genuinely might not because... Uh, I know Mourinho is is very divided as to whether he's still a, as good as he has been, but I've got to think that Tottenham will still improve between now and the end of the season. Everton look stable, finally. And obviously, Ancelotti is a very good manager. Um, they might not even come top six, Liverpool, which would be disastrous. So, yeah, Great. it's going to be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you... Well, Put it, put it this way, if, you, if you'd have said to me uh, like in May or the beginning of June, at this stage of this season, Villa would be two points behind Liverpool with a game in hand, I'd be, uh, I'd been like, no, <laughs> that's that's not the case. But yeah, that's that is unbelievably where we are. Again, though, when you look at that, and listen, let's speak about Aston Villa for me, the manager after last year could have very easily stacked him. Um, Small margin again, probably a goal. That wasn't a goal. The ghost Always goal. A, yeah, that probably kept him in a job. And then this year, they've given him a little bit of money. He's got his recruitment right at Aston Villa. And they're a match for anyone on the day, as he's shown. I've probably got one of the best players in the country that I'd love to see in a red shirt, Jack Grealish. I think he'd, he'd grace any football team in, in Europe again. Fantastic footballer. Not just again, you look at that and we're talking about players at our level who are fantastic ability-wise. Jack Leelis gives the ball away, goes and gets it back, gets back in position, goes and wins it back and causes some problems. And that's that's the difference, I think, for me. Jack Grealis is, is, is been immense. I think the keeper's been absolutely unbelievable for, for Villa. And I think, again, it's, it's a club that probably been downtrodden for many years and I think I think they could finish in the top six. I think if Villa they get they get their fingers out. I know they've had a couple of uh, tricky results to say the least over the last couple, but I think they could finish in the top six. I think it's interesting as well. I know Matt mentioned Spurs there. Mourinho for a long time, his, his style of football isn't always popular, but <laughs> in the past it's yielded results. It's getting to the point now where it's looking like opposition managers and clubs have figured Mourinho out. And it's going to be interesting now. Will he get replaced at the end of the season? I, I know people say that, but I think whoever hires Mourinho always know that results become before performance. And I truly believe in that. I think, I think you get away with how you perform if you win. I think if you're winning football matches... People sort of brush the performance, which Man United did in one season when he was at United. I think it's when you start losing games, people start bringing up your style of play, how you do this, what we don't do right. I think I think you're looking at that now under Solskjaer. I think United and Klopp at Liverpool and all the teams that aren't winning. But for me, Mourinho's got a massive, massive advantage over many other teams. That if you look at his forward line, 
You've got Son, Kane, Bale. Jesus Christ. How many teams would give you the right hand for that three as a forward line? I think he's. I think Harry Kane would walk into any team, as I just said about Jack Grealish. But I think that, I think Tottenham would be, be up there. I think I think what lets them down again is I think the keepers. It's hard to say to someone that's won the won the World Cup, but massively overrated. Uh, and I think the back four, they've never really, as a back four, they've never really looked a, a Mourinho back four. I think bringing a kid in from bringing a kid in from Southampton, he was obviously give him a little bit more stability. But I just don't think that's a Mourinho back four. I think that's they need to get to the summer and bring players in like Ivanovic, like like they had in Terry, no nonsense kind of players who who defend first. I think a lot of these teams these days, especially Tottenham with a fullback playing high. Don't sort of play the Mourinho style that that he, he wants to defend first and foremost, and, and let the attackers win your games. Matt, anything to add? Uh, not too much. I don't think so. I'll end up uh, just uh, banging on about Villa and <laughs> and how uh, how well they're doing. But uh, no, I don't. I don't think uh, too much to add on that. Well, just just apart from the relegation issue, I think. Well, I still think, even though they've got a little bit better, Sheffield and West Brom will still go down. Um, I still... Right, this is my bold prediction between now and the end of the season. Sam Allardyce will resign before West Brom are mathematically down so he can still say that he's never got a, technically got a Premier League team relegated. That's my bold prediction. I can never, ever get over that picture of Sam Allardyce in a pint of wine. I was just like... Pint of wine? Yeah, do you, not, do you not remember when he was in uh, the whole thing around the England job? And he was yeah. pictured, they did the whole fake sheet thing that they liked. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was there, his pint of wine. And I'm just like, Sam, oh, I did. Yeah. I don't remember the pint of wine. I mean, obviously, yeah, I remember that bit because he... Lost his job, didn't he? <laughs> he has a 100% well, England win record, didn't he? he? beat Slovakia 1-0 in the 90th minute. And then that were it. That was his career done. For a, what, bring him. a pint of wine? I normally drink it out of the straw. Get, just get the bottle of the cider and get a big straw in it. Well, it, it's, you know, it's, it's the way you drink it. You don't get a pint glass to go, oh, whack a full bite of there. Uh I'll tell you what, if he keeps them up, he deserves more than a pint of wine. No, listen, I think... I think again, Matt's right. I think Sheffield United and and, and West Brom are doomed. If, if, if you're honest, I think they should both stick with the managers, low because I think the only way they're going to get back to where they want to be is, is by keeping faith in them two two managers. I think they're both top top draw managers. And the other one, I think, are going to struggle. I hate to say it, it's Brighton. I think they don't score enough goals. I think Fulham could get out of it because I think they've got goals in the team. But I think Brighton, or Brighton, even though they play some nice. Pretty unaffected football. I think you get carried away. That they're not winning football games, and I don't think they're scoring goals either. And I can't see where the next goal is going to pull from. From right, gentlemen. I think we will wrap things up there because I've noticed Matt's trying to watch Chesterfield game, and I reckon Villa's got a text. Yeah. So I've got two screens on at the moment. So uh, yeah, just uh, <laughs> having well, some quick uh, glimpses at Chesterfield versus Yeovil Town. As the Zoom countdown clock of doom is. Telling us again, we must go. Philip, no. where can yeah. people find you on the internet? Watch Twitter. Twitter. Uh, what do you, do you tell them? Do you've got you. You know better than me, pal. I, I didn't even set my Twitter thing up. It would be fun. It's Philo 07. That's it. That's correct, James. See what I mean? I, 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 I can always rely on you for anything new technology. Well, so does the rest of the club. Um, is there anything you want to plug while you're here? Do you want to mention your business or anything? No, no, listen, I just want to say, obviously, uh, it's great. Thanks for all, everyone behind the scenes at the moment in time who's pulling in the, in the same direction that Matlock. Obviously, I hope everyone, for me, is, is staying well um, and hopefully over the worst. And let's get about a bit to normality and hope we can attract the crowds that we had prior to, prior to this lockdown and Let's see if the, if the lads can give you something to, to shout about and something to celebrate come, hopefully, end of end of next season and stick with us and let's see where we all go as, a, as one club. Matt, where can people find you on the interwebs? 
Everywhere. I spend too much time on it. Everywhere. I'm on. Actually, I'm. I'm not on Snapchat. I think that's one of the few things I'm not on. Uh, MySpace, Bebo, Friends Reunited. Yeah, my, MySpace. Yeah. Um, Twitter is Matlock Roads. Uh, at Matlock Roads. In fact, I've got. Ooh, no. Sorry, I thought Chesterfield were about... That's so professional, isn't it? I thought Chesterfield were about to take the I link. just thought you were mooing, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing I'll plug is... I think I'm allowed to do it because it's related to yes. me. plug, plug, my friend. There's uh, a bit of intrigue. On Wednesday, uh, I should be interviewing uh, an Olympic gold medalist. So Ooh. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, all being well, that should be happening. So... Uh, <laughs> I'll be, it's not Usain Bolt, just to clarify, but uh, it is an yeah. Olympic gold medalist. Not off to Jamaica, no. No, I'm not off to Jamaica, no. Uh, maybe in a few years, if uh, if the pay packet gets better, but uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with Derbyshire for now. So, as Matt gets attacked by a large cat, or that might just be the camera settings, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Batlock Fan if you want to listen to more drivel from myself. You can find me uh, on YouTube, MTFC 10 TV. There's over 400 videos on there. So if you're jonesing for some football goodness, we've got you stocked. We've got highlights from games 10 years ago and highlights from games last year. The editing's still just as bad. Uh, www.matlocktownfc.co.uk for online shops on there, for your online shopping needs, pencil cases, mugs, shirts, other shirts, fleeces, jumpers, you name it, even dog jackets. I know Philo's put an order in for a dog jacket. Oh, and teddy bears. Teddy bears. That's what I want. Well, Graham, where's my dog jacket? Where uh, you, I can't got my dog jacket yet. Mate, I'm, I'm, I've told him I want some fat lad sizes on that store so I can actually buy some stuff. <laughs> right. Wow. If you listen to this and you enjoy it, please leave us a review. It helps with the algorithm. It means more people will see this. Hopefully more people will become aware of Matlock Town, meaning they'll come to games, which will be more money in the coffers, which will mean Philo will be able to bring in better players by summary and we'll end up with Messi at Matlock, you know. Right. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time. Thank and you. Thank, you, t- fellas. thank you for listening. Take care. Yeah.